Hello and welcome to NDIS Know How, a podcast series that asks how can parents get the very best NDIS plan and sufficient funding to support their kid. This podcast is written and made by me, Melanie Dimmitt, the author of Special, and powered by HireUp, a disability support platform connecting families like mine with top-notch support workers. In this episode, I'm chatting with Stacey Phillips, the founder of a beautiful business called Tubi Fund that makes products to support families and people who are tube-fed, like my son, Arlo, who's quite partial to the Tubi Fund G-Tube button pads that feature Bluey. They just help demedicalize um, this whole stigma around tube feeding. Stacey's business was inspired by her son, Callum, who's been tube-fed for pretty much his whole life. Callum is now six, and he is one of three boys being raised by Stacey and her husband, Anthony, in Brisbane. Callum's brothers are 10-year-old Isaac and Harry, who's eight. Both Callum and Harry have NDIS plans supporting various diagnoses, including level 2 autism, ADHD, and Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, or EDS, which is a group of conditions that affect the body's connective tissue. Stacy, like Callum and Harry, has EDS. She also has a condition called, and please excuse any mispronunciation here, Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome, or POTS, which is a blood circulation disorder. Stacey is in the process of applying for her own NDIS plan, and we chat about this experience, as well as her son Harry's transition from early childhood intervention into the over-sevens arm of the NDIS. We also talk about the benefits of having allied health therapists supporting our kids at home, rather than in clinics, and kick things off with some nitty-gritty NDIS admin advice when I asked Stacey, how does she manage both Harry and Callum's plans? I self-manage both of their plans um, and I just feel it gives me more control over where we can purchase, what we can do, um, where we source therapies from and I think it just gives us a greater flexibility. I find that too, which is why we self-manage Arlo's, but even for just one kid, I find I spend so much time managing his plan and the stuff around it managing appointments mm-hmm. managing his therapist managing the invoices going in the portal uploading the receipts for all the consumables which you'd know about how do you do that in your family so what we do is as soon as we get an email or an invoice we um print like printed printed out everything's in hard copy and i always write on it um a claim date and a paid date um we have a separate Um, card like a bank card that we use just for NDIS appointments and it it has its own bank account so we don't get muddled with what money's come in what money's gone out and um, yeah you were the most organized NDIS parent I have ever spoken to that is amazing we do not have a separate bank account it comes off our credit card and we just pay ourselves yeah no we have we have like a we have just like a thousand dollars set aside in that bank account so when we do appointments we just um yeah we pay from that account and then that way we can see the money coming in and the money going out we can reconcile it all and then if we get lost but it's hours so that I guess that's the trade-off is just the hours in managing the plan and the invoices and so forth versus um the flexibility there's always a trade-off <laughs> yeah do you have support yeah. coordination or do you find all your therapists and manage them um yourself as well um so this is the first year we've actually had support coordination 
But yes, we have an amazing support coordinator now. She's just a text away. She's lovely. Oh, very good. And what are the sorts of things that you text her about? Um, can I get this from my plan? Can I use this funding for this? Um, help, I need to. This is the first plan we've had a behavioural um, positive support plan for Harry. And I'm like, I don't even understand it. I don't know what it is. Like I get the end game of it and what it's for, but how do I go about implementing this? Because this is a whole new ball game for me. <laughs> yeah. So she's like an NGIS oracle for you. That yes. You can throw any question at. Oh, they just sound yes. great. Yeah. 100%. And she's also amazing at helping me prepare for reviews. Um now that we're moving more into the adult NDIS space, it's very different um, and you really need to have all of your ducks in a row and um, she is just phenomenal at collating it all for me and going through checking. I've tech, check, uh, checked all the boxes and um, we've got everything in order. So when we go for our review, we are on the same page we've got everything in order we have everything that they're needing and it's just one seamless meeting yes you're freaking me out because I feel like here in early intervention we also need to have all our ducks in a row so is it even more so once you're out of that with the with the LAC what Um, has taught you that yeah it's very different it's very it's a lot more um I don't know if the word is clinical but it's very black and white I found so we had a lot even though we had NDIS for early intervention for Harry when we transitioned to adults we actually had a really hard time um, getting onto NDIS for him it wasn't just a straight rollover so um, they actually cancelled his NDIS plan and then we had to reapply and then um, get a new plan it was it was pretty stressful. Once we got all of his official diagnoses from the paediatrician and it was set out in the format that NDIS wanted, um, then we met access straight away. So it was just unfortunate that we had to cancel, like they cancelled his plans. And I mean, we were, they cancelled it one day and we were granted access the next day. It was insane. It was so stressful. It was ridiculous. But um, even for myself, um, trying to apply for NDIS because I've got EDS um, like the boys do and I've got POTS and uh, a few other issues as well, Um, I've been declined NDIS twice now. So um, the first time they declined me just straight away um, saying that I hadn't exhausted all of my treatment options even though I had my letters from the specialist saying she needs to be on NDIS, she needs to access the scheme. Um, I had all my official diagnoses down. Um, I had all of my therapist's letters as well, but um, apparently that wasn't enough. And I got a phone call from NDIS saying, we're declining your application again. Um we know you are disabled, we know you are not going to get better, but you are not disabled enough to be on NDIS. I had more letters from all of my specialists, from the rheumatologist to the OTs. I had a full OT assessment report. 
um, all of my physios, the treatments I'd done from my GP, from um, my other treating specialists, and it still wasn't enough. The more you have issues with yourself, like um, like I say, when I break, <laughs> when yeah. I when I hurt something, it just it reinforces that I need I need the support, but trying to prove how disabled you are above and beyond your specialists is it's just um it's quite degrading as a human (laughs) yes and to then still be declined is just frustrating stacy is now in the process of accessing the ndis for the third time and i wonder if she's had any similar issues with proving the support needs of her sons you know when i met callum i had the typical misassumption um, that I know a lot of people would have. I saw this beautiful boy just running around, <laughs> talking, full of energy. And I was like, you seem fine, but I know better than that. I know that appearances can be deceiving. <laughs> Has that been an issue for Callum and perhaps with Harry as well? Like having, again, having to prove that they are disabled enough to have the funding, to have the support. Has that been an issue for them too? It hasn't been an issue with NDIS itself. It's been more trying to find therapists that understand his needs. Mm. So once the therapists have been able to write the reports that NDIS need and they understand the kids and what they're going through and what their needs are, that's been more of an issue is just in the very early days, we had therapists that weren't um, understanding of what the boys' needs were And so they were like, you don't need this and you don't need that. And I'm like, but you're not seeing what's happening in our home. And that had, that was actually the turning point for us was having therapists come to the house. And then as it was just a complete 180. And so finding therapists that actually saw what was going on in our house and not just keeping up appearances in public. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that was a game changer for us and then we were we then got like we still fight tooth and nail for the supports for the children but getting therapists that understand the boys needs has been a game changer for us and then that then in turn allows us to get the plans that we need for the boys and like the equipment and all the jazz that comes with that Yes, 100%. And how great is it when you can do therapy at home? I mean, it's nice at the start, I think, when you go to the therapy centres because you don't know many other parents in the space and it's a lovely way to meet other families and connect. But as you go through the years, we've taken everything in-house and we just find it integrates the therapies into real life so much more easily. 100%, yes. Like Harry has got a real severe issue with sleeping and to have a therapist come into the home Um, and actually see our setup at home and put things in place that we then don't have to go home and then try and implement ourselves and then are we getting it wrong are we doing it wrong is it set up right whereas the OT will just come in and she's like we're going to try this how about like we all sit around the table we all chat about it and um, then she actually goes into his bedroom and goes, let's try this. Let's do this. Harry, we're going to talk about this. It was, it's just, um, it's just just a total game changer. It's so good. Yeah. To see um, 
because um, all the boys have ADHD and Harry and Callum have ASD as well, to have a therapist in home that sees the way that they all interact together, you don't get that in clinic. (laughs) And a lot of that is, um, yeah, like it just changes the way that therapy is given. And we, the therapies that we can't do in home, like psychology and so forth, we still go to clinic for that. What we found through the years is having, even though the boys are separate people, they have the same therapist. So that therapist knows not in the session they don't come out and go, oh, your brother does this, this and this, but they understand what the family dynamic and I can't speak more highly of having the same therapist for the the boys. As long as they work with the child in like they get along and so forth, that's been a game changer for us is that having that overall perspective, even though they're working with one child, knowing the other people that are involved in that person's life is just been a game changer. <laughs> That's such a good point because your kid doesn't exist in a vacuum. They exist in their <laughs> yeah. real life, which includes their family, their friends. There are other people, you know, in yes. their orbit. So I think that's so yeah. important. It's so good. And such a big part of that, like you say, is having the right therapist, the therapist who gets your family and will mm-hmm. come into your home. And at the start of this, no one really helps you with finding those therapists or with finding the right, you know, products for your family. We were so lucky that our stoma nurse said to us to be fun. That opens so many doors, like not only to your business, but to the whole um, Tubi community. community. It was like one sentence and it made such a difference. But what advice do you have to parents who are at the start of this, who, you know, perhaps are not getting told about amazing businesses like yours or about incredible therapists in their area? What advice do you have for those parents? I think the biggest piece of advice I was given was trust your gut. Yeah. Like just trust your gut um, and don't be afraid to advocate for your child, which is, yeah, we did that quite strongly. <laughs> you, you've <laughs> broken up with some therapists, haven't you? I can tell. I have. I have. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, at the beginning, you you take whatever you can get at the beginning you really do because the wait list for kids is so long and you just take whatever you can get. And unfortunately you've got to sift through what doesn't work for your family and what does. And that unfortunately takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. But once you get into the groove of it and you find what works for you, you learn what works for your family. Cause at the beginning you have no idea. You're just, rusted into this oh your child needs this 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 and this you're like oh my gosh I don't even know where to start through the years you learn what you can and can't do what works for your family and once you find those therapists they are like family you don't want to let them go exactly (laughs) so important we are we're obsessed with our a team and very protective of them there's no way as a family with having multiple children with disabilities, was there ever a way that we would have been able to get the help and support that we have now? It's just no way. We just plain couldn't afford it. So to be able to have access to funding to get the boys help that is only going to benefit them in the future has just been phenomenal. 
So many thanks to Stacey for this chat. And for any tube feeding families or people listening in, please check out her online store, Tubey Fun, which is linked in the show notes. Big thanks also to Hira for supporting me in making this podcast. And I'll catch you again soon on NDIS Know How.